This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The Tanaim had a custom to start their um, lectures or presentations with a joke, so I'll give it a crack. There was a guy who wanted to get a shidduch, and he went to a very readable shatchan. And he said to him, I want you to find me an absolutely certified Vashanta, a really wicked woman. woman. So the guy got to work, and everyone that he suggested to him, every woman he suggested to him, too nice, too nice, too nice. He says, you're not getting it. He says, I'm going to give you $10,000 for this shidduch. Get to work. I want a really certified Vashanta. So he got to work, and he found one. She was really no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And this guy was happy. She burnt his food. She sent his stuff to the cleaners and it all came back all messed up. She called him names and he was delirious. Finally determined to do him in. She found out why this guy was so happy. She, fa- she found out that Hazal said that a woman, a man, rather a man who is married to a woman who is a Rishanta has a one-way ticket to Olam Haba. Fine. So now she starts to act nice to him. And this guy gets upset. And he's not happy. So he goes back to the Shatchan and he says, you know what? It started out great, but now all of a sudden she's acting nice to me. I don't get it. So the Shatchan went back to the woman and he says, what happened? She says, over my dead bodies you're getting to all of them because of me. <laughs> so we want to stay away from that one. But let's start with a story that Ephraim Waxman said that sets the tone for tonight. A guy from Muncie was getting married. True story. He developed a rash on his face. Three weeks before the chasana. And the mother like went crazy. We got to do something about this. So she did her homework. And she determined that the best dermatologist to handle this matter was on the Upper East Side. He'll take care of this. So she says to him, Benny, I made you an appointment. He's a good boy. He's a bentora. So he goes down to the office. He's waiting in the waiting room. And he's got his gemara and he's studying. Meanwhile, a few minutes later after he had taken his chair in the, in the waiting room, a pop star walks in, has a seat, and everyone's talking about this model of depravity, let's call it, with the crazy hair and everything. And did you see who walked in? Did you see who walked in? And everyone's talking about it. When, it, when they ask him, look who's here. I don't know who she is. Suddenly the word gets back to the office staff, now look at this guy, this greenhorn in, in, in the lobby. He doesn't know who the, this famous star is. And the word gets back to the doctor himself. So finally when he has the opportunity to examine the patient, I hear that you're getting married. You know, you orthodox Jews, you're behind the times. You're probably getting married by a right matchmaker? He says, yeah. You guys don't know. You're not with the real world. Let me give you some advice. So the guy was smart, the Bentor was smart. So Benny says to him, before you start, just tell me, how many times have you married? Five. He tells him. He says, in that case, I don't need your advice. Thank you so much. We have a Torah. It guides us. It directs us. It shows us how to live properly and ethically. And Baruch Hashem, we have that tonight. I'm going to give over some of that Torah. Let's ask the famous question. Why do people get married? And Chazal tell us, you know, we're chatsi goof until we become married. We're not complete. We're supposed to have that Selim Elohim, and that Selim Elohim doesn't become full until we get married. I had a very interesting scenario. You know, we go to Lakewood for the summer, and I got a call from Toronto, from a man who's pretty well-to-do, and he's in Israel, in Or Sameach, in doing a Yachikala. He goes, my son is going out very um, seriously. He's about 21 years old. I want you to check him out to see if he's ready. 
I sat down with him in Lakewood, and I said to him, Yehuda, why do you want to get married? This is the defining answer why people should be getting married. He says to me, Dr. Cohen, I want to give. I said, Yehuda, you're ready. This is what it's all about. This 21-year-old boy from Stein's Yeshiva figured it out. If you're not in it to give, forget about it. It's a life of misery. Just come to my office and watch them fight as they come all the time. It's all about giving and giving and it should be unconditional giving. And so that's why it's one of the main reasons you give. Through the muck of the diaper changes and being married and all that it takes and all, all that abrasiveness sometimes by, that, by my Rebbe or Vic de Miller would tell us that rubs you to perfection. Marriage is a clinic of perfection, of Midos perfection. But unfortunately, tonight's topic hits on a very sore spot. I get texts all the time. WhatsApp texts. You see this guy? Find me someone like him. This looks. This girl. I get guys who send me seven, eight, nine pictures. Find me this. This is what's happened to our community. We've been corrupted by this secular world. And it's seeped in. And perfection is dangerous. So I've got to tell you a story. Grandma is sitting on the beach watching little Shimmy play in the sand. He looks adorable with his little payas and his Yankee cap. And suddenly a huge gala, uh, 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 you know, comes over, uh, you know, like a big storm, and washes Shimmy into the, into the water. And Grandma starts to cry. Hashem, Hashem, where's my Shimmy? She's crying and crying. And finally, a nest takes place. And then the waves come and deposit Shimmy right back on the shoreline. Grandma looks up to heaven and says, Thank you, Hashem. But what about the Yankee cap? He says, what happens to us? We want it all. Well, for that, let me read you a poem. Her nose is too long. Her lips are too wide. I could not possibly take her for a bride. She jabbers out questions. She laughs too loud. She's not that smart. She only blends in with the crowd. What's that that you say? I should give her a chance? Okay, if you say so. I won't trust my first glance. Well, what do you know? Boy, am I ever surprised. She has so many pluses, this girl, that was somehow disguised. Her laugh sounds so charming, her questions so dear, her brightness was hidden, her modesty so sincere. I was so arrogant with all my endless demands, now I am humbled to see the work of Hashem's hands. I'll always be grateful for such a wonderful wife whose menshachkeit has enriched the days of my life. Now I'm a new dad, and I have to disclose my precious baby has a gorgeous long nose. Let's get objective. Let's look at the penemius of what's going on in here. Unfortunately, what happens is, without a plan, people make mistakes. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. And so you see the unfortunate stories of 35 and 40-year-olds and 45-year-olds. And they're stuck in their way. I try to talk to them. Some of them you get lucky with, and some of them you don't. But it happens even to the younger ones. We have to be very careful. And so do you suffer from the smorgasbord syndrome? Which is a set of questions that I'll ask you. I know the perfect person with all the good qualities I want to be married to. I'm just waiting to meet them. Sheker. I believe an excellent husband or wife must have all the good qualities in the world and none of the faults. 
Sheker. I cannot follow the advice of well-meaning parents or rabbis. They can't possibly know what I need. Sheker. I can't make concessions on my original expectations. I'll be left with someone who's inferior, and certainly I don't want to be married to that. So we have to be very cautious not to fall to this trap. Here are some basic don'ts. Don't make unrealistic demands. Don't make snap judgments on people. Give them a chance. Sometimes the first day, people are nervous, not feeling well, not into it for whatever reason. Don't reject someone without giving them the same chance you would want for yourself. Don't ask silly questions like, do you put ketchup bottles on your table on Shabbos? Don't make ridiculous remarks like, I can't date him because I heard he started walking a bit, a bit late. Ridiculous what people have asked today. And the things and the nonsense that comes up in these discussions. Be friendly and receptive when you meet someone. Give them time to loosen up. Feel comfortable and make a proper impression. Tonight I came with my toolbox. Because this is what I tell people day in and day out. Both in New York and I have a huge WhatsApp dating coaching thing worldwide. This is what we have to feel. Be open-minded. It's unrealistic to make lists of demands etched in stone. Keep refining your list. Ask yourself, do I really need someone gorgeous? Do I must have the biggest macher in camp? Do I need someone who's so brilliant? Do I need someone with a top career? I had a guy come over to me. I won't get married, 32, unless the father-in-law is fabulously wealthy. I what, are you out of your mind? What does that mean? Is someone who loves to travel that important? Isn't it more important to find someone who loves and appreciates you, who cares about you? I have a 45-year-old guy who's dating one of my clients, 49-year-old woman, fantastic girl and woman, divorced. Well, Doc, I always wanted someone younger than me. But every time I see him at a singles event, they don't give him the time of day. This woman likes him. She cares about him, and he sees it. And as much as he's trying to pull away from it, I put him to the corner. On Monday, I said, you know what? I'd rather go out with someone who wants me and someone I have to go chase. She wants you. She's attractive. She'll take care of you. I know it was the story behind that first marriage myself. I was trying to get Shalom Bayit in there. There was nothing doing. Couldn't work with that man whatsoever. Here's a woman who came from an ideal, beautiful Beisakov home. We have to be open-minded. There's a major difference between what you want and what you need. And I'm going to speak about that tonight a little bit. So the dating process is cloaked in mystery. Should I judge with my emotions or should I judge with my head? What are the mistakes that people are making and how can we avoid them? What qualities, what midos should we look for in a spouse? Or even more difficult to determine, what should I let go, overlook? Now, how do we do that? In order to do that, I tell everyone, you need to make a list of your top 10 needs. Needs. Needs are midos. Not wants. I'll explain the difference very shortly. Needs are patient, tolerant, generous, warm, ambitious, has a parnasa path, has a rebbe, likes children, is emotionally available and stable. These are important things. 
wants to have a family. It's growing spiritually. That's what I'm looking for when I sit with people. Not tall, dark, and handsome, and blonde hair, and has to have an apartment in Miami Beach. That's not going to make you happy. So many people are divorced who follow that profile. So you need a strategy. So a joke, before we start into that. I'm going to give you the, the, the step-by-step. Three men, Giovanni, Isaac, and Joe, are sentenced to 20 years in prison. The warden asks each one of them, what would you like to take into the prison cell with you? Giovanni, the Italian, says, I'd like a wife. Prison warden says, granted. Isaac, the Jew, says, I'd like a phone. Prison warden says, granted. Joe, the Polak, asks for a case of cigarettes. Prison warden says, granted. The cells are locked. After 20 years, the prisons are opened. The cells are opened and the inmates are released. Giovanni comes out with his wife and 12 children, looks at the warden in Italian, goes, thank you so much. I have 12 beautiful bambinos. Thank you, Mr. Warden. Isaac the Jew comes out and says, thank you, you gave me a phone. Now, I didn't waste my time with my telephone. I called my broker on Wall Street. I'm a millionaire because of you, because of all the trades that I made. Joe the Polak, who had asked for a case of cigarettes, looks at the warden and says, would you mind passing me a cigarette lighter? He had no strategy. He did nothing. And so he accomplished nothing. We need a strategy. And before we start, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, are we educated? Just like it takes an education and training to drive a car, to drive and operate a vehicle or anything else, or to become licensed at anything, you need a little bit of an education today in good, effective dating. Why? Because you need to clear the, the, body, the mind from the bugs that we have that we're inundated with as we walk the malls and as we open our cell phones and we're inundated with Western media and culture, which has unfortunately infiltrated into the mindset of a Ben Torah and a Basi Sral. No doubt about it. And so we need to get a bit of an education. So let's start with our education. A. Hashem, what has he been doing since he created the world? And we know the famous Chazal, he's making Shidduchim. And it's not Pashat. We have to know that it's not a joke when it says that a shidduch is as difficult as splitting the Amsuf. But remember, he's with us, he never forgets us, and he's constantly worrying about us. A man went to Shemaim, and there he met God, who showed him the footprints of his life. Looking, the man saw that in some places of his life there were two sets of footprints. But in some places, there was only one set of footprints. The man said to Hashem, I don't understand. I thought you promised me that Hashem, you'll always walk with me. Right? Noach walked with Hashem all the time. Speaks Parsha. So Hashem, why do I see only one set of footprints in some times in my life? When you played the video of my life. Hashem answered, those were the times that I carried you. And that's how you have to think when you're in Shaduchim. He's there. He's carrying you. We have to daven, and davening is the key, but remember that he'll never forget you. Imuna is 100% key here. It's so important. We need to have Imuna. We have to realize that Hashem is there for us, and He never stops. So let me share a beautiful story with you called Hashem Knows Your Zip Code. About a woman named Barbara Horowitz, who lives in Chicago. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. It was a two and a half years that I spent in Nevei Yerushalayim. She was a Baalist Shuvah. 
I transformed my life from a secular career-focused college girl to a boss Torah in training. With hard work, learning Torah for such a stretch in a beautiful environment had provided me with a healthy foundation in Yiddishkeit. Even though now I was officially starting to date, I had met a couple of young men in Israel, but it wasn't working. Now, so I decided to stay in Chicago. Baruch Hashem, I was blessed with Siata Deshmaya. I went to visit the Rav of the shul that I joined, and I said to him, what should I do? Should I move to New York? That's the famous question. Barbara, he says to her, Hashem knows your zip code. Don't worry about it. And so I got a job, she says, working for a, a, a Jewish newspaper, and they put her on a flight to Eretz Yisrael. But she could have a stopover. So she decided, anywhere in the world, and they upgraded it to first class, she's going to go to the Orient, to Singapore. She had some business to do there. When I turned 27, she says, it started catching up with me. Many of my friends were getting married, and I was beginning to feel left behind. Some dating opportunities were coming up as, as in, uh, not as frequently, and I began to question the decision to stay in Chicago. But I remembered my rav. Hashem knows your zip code. And I started to cry on the plane. I said, what's wrong with me? I panicked and I said, Hashem knows my zip code. You don't have to move anywhere. And so what happened when she arrives in Israel, she gets a phone call from her rav, which says, I made a date for you. You're going to meet him in the Citadel Hotel in Yerushalayim. My rough set me up on my first date with a young man that I actually knew from Chicago. Yitzchak had only come on the scene when I returned from seminary, so I never thought of him as marriage material. However, after spending four lovely hours with him in the lobby of David Citadel Hotel, I was pleasantly surprised. But I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to raise my hopes. After all, they were dashed too many times. We dined, we strolled, we laughed, and we shared. The proof of the pudding came on our 10th date in a beautiful park in the outskirts of Tel Aviv. After a wonderful picnic lunch, we spotted a cute little lake with rowboats. We hopped on. Yitzchak pulls out a piece of paper and starts to read me a poem that he had read. He asked me to close my eyes, and then he sang it to me. A beautiful song. At the conclusion of this musical performance, I opened my eyes and asked him in disbelief, is this really happening? After that memorable afternoon, it was time for me to go back to Chicago. Fortunately, Yitzchak was right behind me, following me to the Windy City to finish the job. On Erev Shabbos, the day after Tisha B'Av, two years ago, Yitzchak proposed on the balcony of a downtown high-rise overlooking the Chicago skyline. It was at that moment that it dawned on me. Hashem really knew my zip code. And not only that, Yitzchak's mother works for the United States Postal Service. Nice. So, strategy. Examine yourself physically. Are you the best that you can be? Can you improve your appearance? I've had to tell girls to go to the dentist for whitening. Guys, get new glasses. I've even had to have the unfortunate job of telling some females to lose a little weight. Whatever it takes. You've got to make sure you look good. Visit a gym, see a nutritionist, update your hairstyle, whiten your teeth, redo your makeup, change your glasses, put on contact lenses, have someone revamp your wardrobe. Don't take the chitzonias for granted. That's critical. We're a very visual society. Small changes can make a difference in how you look and feel about yourself. Work on proving your attitude. Warmth appeals to people, so learn to smile. Walk down the street. I was walking 
to the shtibol that I daven in the afternoons in New York, it's famous Landau's, and I was surprised on Monday. How many people cringe their faces in, 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 in contortion? You've got to be happy. And it starts with having a small session of gratitude every day. That's what I tell everyone, all of my clients. Please, get the thank you card. If you need it, I'll send it to you on text. And just read it every day. Gratitude is key. It's so important. It stimulates joy. It makes you happy. And people are magnetized to happy people. Read books and take courses on happiness to develop an upbeat outlook and appreciation for what you have while avoiding jealousy and anger and all these bad qualities. Develop a positive sense of self. For example, right now, I have a client that I work with. I've sent him out again and again on dates. And he constantly is down on himself. So like a, like a car that's not making it. I said, XYZ, we're taking this car off the runway. I developed a curriculum for him where we learn once a week on how to improve his self-esteem. If you don't feel good about yourself, the other side will detect it right away. Right away. Monday night, a 52-year-old guy calls me. I gotta get married! Now! I just wanted to do is it. He calls me every hour on the hour. I said, please, you can't call me every hour. So I finally, but ask the woman. So I happened to have had a consultation with someone yesterday. He was about 40 years old. I thought it, I could make this one happen. I said, uh, what do you think about this man? Oh no, not him. He's desperate. So we have to learn and see within ourselves, what do I need to work on? Ask your of, call me, whatever it takes for someone like me. That's important. Self-esteem, self-confidence, a degree of assurance. I just had that in the car coming from New York. A guy calls me up. I'm ready to get engaged. She thinks we're just starting. And then I figured it out. He tells me, he texts her every day. Why did you do that? I said to her, I said to him. You turned it from a formal environment to now you casualized the whole thing. She's not thinking. So yesterday she goes out with a guy friend. It's a little bit more modern crowd. But still, orthodox. So there are rules of of engagement how to do this effectively. Developing a positive sense of yourself will not only help you during dating, it will also help you build a better marriage. A person who exhibits Simcha Sachayim, now that's key, I like to see that on a top 10 list, is the person that you're searching for optimistic, positive, Confident, happy. Can they roll with the punches in life? Listen, ask anybody who's in a long-term marriage. Baruch Hashem, I'm on year 29 now. Thank God. And ask anyone longer than me. Simcha Sachaim is a critical formula, ingredient for the formula of a long-term marriage. Look for a partner that exhibits that. Someone who's pessimistic, who's down, who's got atzvus all over them, stay away from them like cancer. Not the you. Remember, you never get a second chance to make a great first impression. So first impression is key. Are your interpersonal skills all that they can be? I do this a lot. I train people how to talk effectively. Many people go into dates totally clueless. No itinerary what to talk about. I'll wing it. You know what they say? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's very simple. You've got to know what to talk about. And there are basics. Whether it's, I'll open with family, camp, schools, career, who's your favorite Rebbe, how do you feel about Israel, what is your greatest achievement in life, tell me about your Shabbos experience, how was Yom Tov, there's what to talk about. 
sneak in there at the Var Torah, let the, let the woman or man see what you think and how you process thoughts, maybe a cute anecdote, a story. Prepare, rehearse. It's all part of the necessary training to have a good result. Are you comfortable with people? Or do you feel shy and introverted? By the way, I just want to prove my point from the Devar Torah, how important it is to be grateful. In Parshas Ba'alotcha, we see a, an, a decline in Am Yisrael's respect for both Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu, they start to complain. And it's hard for Moshe Rabbeinu when a nation complains. And he says to Hashem, did I conceive this nation or give birth to it that you say to me, carry them? Moshe had a role to fill. He was dealing with adults. Mitzrayim was the breeding birth of the nation. And nothing annoyed him more when people complained. So, his father-in-law Yisro pops in to the Midbar. Listen to what Moshe tells him. Five times Moshe Rabbeinu says the word good. With the goodness in which Hashem will benefit us, it will be good for you. In his request to his in-law, Yisra, Moshe repeated the word tov five times. It will be so good, he kept saying. He didn't know that it was going to be that good. He didn't go into the land. But his outlook was positive. His attitude, his outlook was laced with gratitude. That's what we have to personalize in our lives. The concept of great gratitude. And people should see it. And when people see that in you, they'll be magnetized to you. Now, part of the strategy is to sit down and have a deep think with yourself. What is my current level of religious observance? Oftentimes, people come to me, what do you think of this one for me, that one for me? And I see a radical difference in the level of Yiddishkeit. You can't just turn a person on a dime. It doesn't work that way. Rebele Lopian used to say, you're going to get what's close to you in religious level. Not what they were like, and not what they will be like. So don't go on promises of the future. They need to align with you religiously. That's critical. So ask yourself, where do I belong or what camp am I comfortable with? What are my talents and my character strengths? What are my dreams? What are my goals? Have this all cleared out. Do you want a bentola who learns? Do you want an earner? Do you want a learner? Do you want both? What do you want in a wife as well? Evaluate your goals and reevaluate your goals. And just to recap again on some of the qualities. Appreciative, ayin tov, capable, charitable, communicative, creative. Let me just focus... Guys, for a second, there are three qualities that I tell the girls never to compromise on in Kamsan, Kaasan, and Kaptan. Critical. I have three married daughters, and I told them, if you just cover these three, I'm happy. I don't care if he doesn't have a nickel to his name. Kamsan isn't cheap. If the person is not generous, that's a life of Gehenim. Kaasan, he has an anger problem with temper tantrum. Watch out. And Kaptan, is he stubborn? Is he inflexible? Is it my way or the highway? Look out for those. Those are three critical areas that you have to look for in guys. Okay. Is that person giving? Can you cope under stress? Grateful. 
goals of the future. He has to have a panasa plan. I had a student, a girl, 25 years old, who just, I got helped to get out of that marriage. It's a miserable situation. Got her get after a year and a half. The guy sat in bed every day. Didn't get out. Didn't go to work. Check these things. It's critical. And I have on the upside, I'm dealing with someone who's so nice to me. The wife is on the cell phone. From guy, from girl. It's on the cell phone till 3 in the morning. She gets up at 11. He leaves us at 8 o'clock. No have a mean of breakfast. He comes home. Dishes piled up. This is a daily affair. And now what? We tried to save the marriage. But then she has other mishugas. The four-year-old is at home. She refuses to vaccinate. So they don't want to let the kid into any school or preschool. So these things have to be cleared out. Responsible. You're getting today what's going on in the street. I want you to know what's happening. Because now you'll be fortified with the ammunition that you need to really succeed. Sensitive, self-sacrificing, slow to anger, we spoke about that, tolerant. Okay, networking. We said we're coming with our toolbox. Compile a list of potential contacts from your network. We're talking about family, relatives, close friends, not so close friends, people you've lost touch with, current and former teachers and rabbis, neighbors, co-workers, people from your synagogue. That's Ishtavlis. Yes, you have to do that. In addition to Davni, you've got to get the word out there that you're in the parsha. Prepare your resume. Do a good job at it. If you need help, I'm very good at this. Just reach out to me. Have nice pictures, ready to go. Ask three or four people you know well and respect for their good judgment and integrity to be your references. That's key. Good references are important. When I advise people on references, I'll always, this is my rule, two people that are more religious personalities, they are Rav or Rebetzin, that's very nice, and two people that are friends. I really like to shy away from single people being on references. You never know. It's not easy for them. Unless you have no choice. Talk to everyone. Approach the people in your network. Let them know about you, about your daughter, about your son. Take the next step. Don't be shy about telephoning and asking. Getting the word out. Talk to everyone who may be helpful. You've all heard stories about how some, so many shidduchim came about through the most incredible sequence of events. I heard him because he told him because I was on the line at uh, Seven Mile Market or, you know, Chvez, uh, Pomegranate in Brooklyn, whatever it may be. So you have to be out there and you've got to get the word out. And then conversation, we spoke about. Okay. Now, can a person change? Marriage is a union of two people learning to accept each other and adjust to each other's differences. It should be about realizing the reasons of, for your differences and the benefits to be found in being different. Psychologists tell us there's always going to be 10 points of disagreement in a marriage. That's okay. Thousands of other things you're going to agree on. Many people want to be accepted for who they are, but have trouble accepting others for who they are, which is what leads us to the smorgasbord syndrome. I want perfection in every direction, but I have faults. We all have faults. 
but I don't look in the mirror to see that I have any. They'll make excuses for their own deficiencies in weight, sloppiness or patience or lack of productivity, but they're unwilling to tolerate or forgive the flaws of others. Don't expect your spouse to look good and keep in shape if you refuse to exercise. Don't ask your husband to stay calm and relaxed if you're yelling. You've got to apply the same standard. You cannot change the other person. You can only change yourself and your reaction to the other person. Let me share an incredible story with you. When the Baal Chuba movement began worldwide about 30 years ago, it also hit Europe. There was a family, a Moroccan family in Paris. One of the girls married a learning boy. Her sister wanted to go in the same way. But there was a dearth of quality B'nai Torah. And she told her father, I want a learning boy. I want a learning boy. And they were a modern family. He was in shul one day, and he tells his brother, you know, Sarah would like to marry a learning boy. I got the guy for her. And they decided to set up a blind date. No one had seen the other one before. Sarah is sitting in the lobby of a five-star hotel in Paris, waiting for her date. Dressed nice, sneers, the whole thing. Five minutes goes by, ten minutes, and then a man approaches her wearing some ripped jeans and a Grateful Dead t-shirt. And he looks at her and he says, Are you Sarah Cohen? She says, Look, can I help you? Yes, I'm Yosef. <laughs> There's got to be some mistake. Yosef, the guy I'm supposed to be going out with? You don't even look at me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Goes into his back pocket, pulls out his funeral parlor kippah, puts it on, and he goes, okay, yeah, I'm religious. I go to shul twice a year. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, what's the problem? And she's now, you can see the smoke coming through her nose. What is my uncle Moisey thinking? I want a person who's going to learn Torah. She's speaking out loud. I don't mind. I'm going to work as a CPA and I'm going to support him. And he looks at her in all innocence and he says to her, why would you want that? Because that's what I live for. That's what I aspire for. And now begins a discussion for, with her and this guy for an hour. They're talking about the virtues of learning Torah versus... This guy, by the way, was in the University of Paris to graduate imminently as an architect. After an hour, she says, I'm going to go now. This discussion is over. And he says to her, would you give me another chance? No way. Not even close. She goes home and lets her father have it. What did you do? You embarrassed me. You set me up with someone who's not even close to what I need. A month later, the uncle calls up his brother and he says, what did she do to him? He dropped out six months before his master's degree in architecture and he's studying in yeshiva. And he wants another date with her. And now the pressure is on. Sarah, would you like to go out again? Oh, I don't know. And she's, you know, why didn't then finally they did one of these moves on her? They go out again. And they meet in the same place. And it's no longer a grateful dead t-shirt. Now it's a nice white shirt, blue black slacks. And they sit down. And he's telling her how he enrolled in yeshiva in Paris. And how he loves it. And he's enjoying it. And it's going well. And now the date's coming to a close. And he asks for a third date. And she says, no. She goes home. She says, no, not for me. I don't know. 
Anyway, Yosef goes on with his life. He transfers off to Or Sameach in Mansi. And he starts to grow. And Sarah is no longer Sarah, the accounting student of 21. She's 28 now. The years just fly by. And word comes back that Yosef Levi is no longer Yosef Levi. He moved to Israel where he's now Rosh Kolel to 30 Avrechim. Hmm? Five kids. And the years go by. And now she's 36. And the news comes in from Israel that there was a horrific terrorist attack. And Yosef's wife was killed with three of his kids. And he's coming back to Paris to be with family. And in Paris, it's a few months after the, the, the attack, everyone's talking. He's coming back and all eyes are on her. What do you think? Would you like to go out again? And she says, no, this time I'm not blowing it. And the date is set for the same exact location. And she's waiting. And he walks in through the front door and she's stunned. Black Bekesha Hamburg. Rosh Kolel. She sits, he sits down with her. It's hard to talk. 17 years have gone by. And he tells her how his wife used to go to the Kosel all the time to daven for her because she was so grateful that not for her, she would never have married her husband because it was you that turned me into a bentera. She starts to cry. And she says, Wow, you had mercy on me and I didn't have mercy on you. I didn't give you a second shot. Didn't think about it. A few dates later, they announced their engagement. And on the day of their wedding, Yosef gives her a wedding gift. The first kippah he ever wore on the first date. Which they put into their wedding album. Seven things to let go in dating. One, again, I'm going to hammer hard on this one. Let go of the idea that you're going to find 100% of what you're looking for in the opposite sex. By the way, I just had this happen to me two days ago from a very close relative, where there was, they have a girl in Shaduchim, eh, 21, whatever, and they were looking at a guy that I happen to like a lot, but they were not proceeding aggressively with it. And he writes me back, I know what I want and I won't compromise. This is what you hear today. This is exactly what I want to teach you not to do. I'm not saying to lower your standards. We're saying that no one is perfect. One of the biggest mistakes we see in dating is that someone rejects someone because they didn't meet all their expectations. Unfortunately, we, have, we know so many people who have been dating for years specifically because of this erroneous mindset. I don't have it here, but here and there I read to the crowd, to the olam, something fascinating, an email from a 36-year-old man who tells us about his dating life and how every time he went out with someone in his 20s, someone would lure him with someone with a girl even better, more prettier, more accomplished. He made this mistake again and again and again until he decided to do a little bit of an analysis of his friends who were now married with three or four children in mid-30s just to figure out, what did you think of your wife? when you were dating her. And everyone almost anonymously came back with the same answer. She was good enough. That's it. Good enough. 
And now he says, the quality of the candidates that I'm getting are nowhere near what I was offered in my 20s. Had I been more grounded and more realistic. What am I doing here tonight? Trying to ground all of us. So at least the people in this room will have a heads up and a bit of an advantage over the people making mistakes out there. Now, determine what's important to you, but not everything is essential. Like I always tell everyone, there's got to be some things that you can compromise on. You can have a couple of items that are obviously non-negotiable, but be open-minded. Let go of some hours at work, or whatever's keeping you so busy. I had a girl who would not take calls after 9 o'clock. I said, you got to be kidding. What, what planet are you living in? No, you have to call me earlier than that. Come on. Let go of the thinking of your thinking and in dating you're alone. There's people who can help today. There's wonderful shatchanim who know what they're doing. There's dating mentors. There's rabbanim. Get help. Reach out to people. So many people are living in their apartments and years fly by, not reaching out, not looking for assistance, not looking for guidance, not looking for direction. Let go of ingratitude. We spoke about that already. The secret to happiness is appreciation. Internalize that feeling. Make it come out so that people can see on your partsuf, on your face, that you're a grateful individual. Let go of the need for something to happen tomorrow. Oh, I had a beauty. This one is amazing. A girl calls me up and she says, I scheduled my wedding. It's going to happen a certain day. Lagba Omer. I've already paid the caterer. I never heard this. This is last year. I scheduled for sorry to say. So I tried to get some candidates quickly, you know, so she wouldn't lose her money with the with the caterer. <laughs> Sad to say she didn't get married on like oh, I scheduled my wedding. <laughs> I mean that's a Muna, but that's a little extreme, you know? So it's gonna happen. When it's the right time, it'll happen. Let go of the of thinking dating should be a quick, smooth process. That's a huge no-no. Thinking that there's no bumps in the road. That's ridiculous. Oh, two days ago. It's my fourth date. I'm not feeling stars. I said, relax. You're not supposed to feel stars. That's Hollywood. Calm down. You have to have some bumps in the road. It's a process. If you think it's going to happen magically, that's not love. That's infatuation. We don't even like the word love. We've reinvented it to mean, I care for that person a lot. And that takes time. Love takes time. Emotional connectivity takes time. By the way, that's good. I'm happy I'm on that subject. There is a test to determine if the person that you're dating is the right one. It's called the pair test. P-A-I-R. P, physical attraction. It's important. Don't dismiss it. It's very important. Don't go crazy with it. But I have a person who I knew when he was in high school, I remember speaking at the graduation of this school, who was forced into a shidduch, and she was not appealing to him at all, and the rabbis at the time said, you'll come to like her, you'll come to like her. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to have some physical attraction. Even if it doesn't happen right away in the beginning of the courtship, but it's got to start clicking somewhere. He eventually divorced. His wife was moonlighting, going to weddings every night that she wasn't invited to. So, anyway, so that's important. So P is physical attraction. A is either admiration, acceptance, 
affection, admiration. The person that I'm dating, or that you're dating, do you admire their qualities? Do they bring qualities to the table that you're not seeing in other people that you've dated? That's key. Acceptance. Can I accept that person with the faults that they have, realizing that I'm not changing them, but I could live with some aspect of their profile that's not the best? Maybe a history that wasn't so great, a personal history. Maybe the boy, the boy had some issues until he figured it out in life and he had some disturbances in yeshiva. Whatever it is, can you live with that? And affection. Can I, do I feel close with them, with him? Can I share my life with that person? Can I open up to him? Can I trust him? And that leads on to emotional intimacy. Do we share our lives together? Do I go to that person for a solution? Do I look forward to being with that person? Can I see myself building a life with that person? Are we there for each other? Whereas before we have broken up, now I look to try to make it and find a solution. Then you know with the right person. And all last but not least, it doesn't take, doesn't require too much, you know, explanation. Respect. Derek Eretz. There's no place whatsoever for lack of Derek Eretz. I had a case uh, last year where a girl came to me at 22. The minute she got engaged, he forbade her to talk to her mother when he was there. He sort of like owned her. She broke off the engagement. Things that we see out there today. Religious people. Unfortunately, like I said, Hollywood and the Western media has crept into our life and has corrupted some of our midos. So again, let go of thinking that it's going to be a quick, smooth process. I want to continue with this concept. Standing under the chuppah, Rav Elia Dessler, who's a great mind, says that we all want to give. But guess what happens? As we get into marriage, that becomes eroded a little bit. Everyone starts wondering, what about me? What's in it for me? And then you come up with your own chishponis. I mean, if not for me, if I'm not looking out for myself, who's going to look out for me? And now, the selfishness can start to now eat its way into the marriage. He tells us that your greatness is defined by the size of your ani. An individual whose I, ani, is I alone, is a very tiny person in Hashem's eyes. Because all you look at is for yourself. The individual who incorporates his wife is a little better. His children, bigger than that. The ani radius starts to grow out. Now someone who cares for his community, an even bigger mensch. Same thing on the women's side. A person who cares for his kahal, bigger than that. Klal Yisrael, whoa. Now you got Hashem's attention. That's what we're seeking. A successful marriage depends more on being the right person than finding the right person. Continue working on yourself. Continue working on your middles. Continue improving your outlook in life. Learn how to fill the other person's needs. Marriage is not about keeping score. Who gave more? No, no, no. It's not tit for tat. I did this for you, so you do this for me. It's unconditional. It's great to marry someone you love, but it's more important to love the person you marry. Now that you're there, give it your best shot. That's very important. That's so important. Love is not just a feeling, it's a verb. Oh, you know what? I'm going to read you this story. It's a beauty. Sometimes it's right under your nose. 
speaking to, to a girl, the Shachan tells her, you're too picky. Not enough makeup. And so the advice went on, everyone trying to tell her what to do. After searching in Israel for seven years, I returned to the States at the age of 25. One Shabbos, a friend of mine, took me to meet a family who might know someone for me. Yeah, sure. You know, you get a little bit skeptical. The young man in question had all the milas. He was religious from birth. Came from a fine family. Really knew how to learn. Had a great parnasa and was great, good looking as well. Something had to be wrong. It sounded too good to be true. Why would he consider me? It turned out they didn't consider me at all. He sat there at the Shabbos table and didn't say a word to her. Six Shabbosim in a row. The boy and girl were invited to the same host. Not a word. Then a miracle occurred. One fine day, my family, that was my host family, informed me that he wanted to go out with me. My first reaction was, no way. They must be twisting his arm. I would certainly not agree. After much convincing the idea that the idea came from him, I agreed to go out with him. But not without reservations. If I, it doesn't work out, I can't go over to their house anymore for Shabbos. And now let me mention a very interesting phenomenon. They arranged our first date for Moti Shabbos. The Shabbos before we met, I knew that it, he was him. I'd never spoken a word to him. Imagine, seven weeks he sat at the same table. At our, after our first date on Moti Shabbos, I wasn't sure if he was interested in me, but I was prepared to see this thing through no matter what. The rest is history. On our sixth date, he proposed. Six weeks they sat in front of each other. Nothing happened. And then Hashem said, it's time. Right there. Shabbos Shilch. You never know. Okay. Recognizing the right person from the wrong person. Love at first sight sounds great, but it's not love. Don't be lured by outward trappings like money or beauty. That's important. Chazal tell us, that physical attraction is like lighting the match. How long does that last? A few seconds. That's all it's meant to be. Until the depth gets in. When looking for a life partner, we're concerned with A, personality. Two, intelligence. Three, religious values. Family background. Shared goals and interests. And obviously physical attraction. Marriages can fail because people don't judge the prospective marriage partner with objectivity. They try to project virtues on the person where they don't exist simply because they're in a rush to get married. Don't close your eyes unwilling to see what you don't want to see. If you're searching for spirituality, don't settle for someone who's talking about traveling and money all the time. If you want a warm, happy, and accepting husband or wife, don't settle for someone who's depressed, self-centered, or judgmental. Loving them won't magically erase their bad qualities. On the other hand, being cognizant of their flaws doesn't mean you have to reject. What is the flaw? Talk it over with someone, as we said tonight. Search for a friend. Someone you can talk to all the time. Someone who understands you, who you can confide in, who, un- who values your opinion, who you can trust, who can accept your boundaries. I had a guy write me a WhatsApp maybe a month ago. My wife has a problem. She's always reading my WhatsApps. And I get annoyed by that. She opens my my phone and reads my personal messages. 
I said, it's not appropriate. My wife has a phone, she has a phone, I don't go opening her phone. So it's important that we have established boundaries and the person that you're dating respects those boundaries. Now here's a key point. Common background results in common expectations. Although people can weather differences, it brings on extra conflict. Try to find someone with a common background like you and common because this way you can you know what to expect. Same culture, same language, same jokes. Look for someone who's committed to working on themselves and wishes to do their part to build a fantastic relationship. Some questions when you date. Is the person overly sensitive and emotionally needy? No good. Will this get on your nerves? Do they compliment or criticize? Are they inflexible? Are they dominating? Is he or she happy and easygoing or too intense? Are they positive or negative? Watch out for a person who believes they're never wrong, who blames you for everything, and never apologizes for any mistake. The dating courtship is the time to look for this stuff. Most divorces take place because people close their eyes and did not, were not on the lookout. Tonight, Shavim Ilyonim, what you're hearing. This way you can think about it, review the, the video, and think it through. Do you enjoy each other's company? Is that person pleasant to be with? Do you have common interests? Look for maturity and responsibility. A mature person will want to work on the marriage when there's rough times. Do they communicate well with you? Do they get you and they get what you're saying? Are they tuned into your feelings? Watch out for avoidant behavior. If when you ask a question, they don't want to answer those questions. That could be a red flag. He doesn't want to discuss, or she doesn't want to discuss family. Look out for little things like sensitivities. You go to a very cold a restaurant, you're seated right under the air conditioning vent. Does he offer to change the table? Things like that. It's very important. It shows that they care. Religious beliefs also are very important. Does that person preach one thing but do another? They had a very firm couple from the five towns, just married six months. He went to the mirror. Yes, he used to keep storm of two hours every day when he was single. Down to ten minutes within a few months that he's get married. And the marriage was just falling apart very quickly within a few months. This is where it's key, especially when you're dating a, a boy, does he have a Rebbe? So I said to her, X, Y, Z, go run to the Rebbe now and tell him what's going on. He cares about his Talmud, he's going to want to help him. She did and she saved the marriage. It's very important. Very, very important. Does he get along with relatives and friends? I just had two days ago someone tell me, she's a nice girl, but she talks very disparagingly of her parents. That could be a red flag. Investigate that. That would bother me a lot. And what are the parents like? How do they talk to each other? These are things that are very important. Make sure you can accept a person for the way they are. So I'm just going to wrap up with a few key tips. The most frightening word in the English language. C-H-A-N-G-E. Don't be afraid to change. Don't 
be afraid to take on a new outlook. Yaakov Solomon brings out a beautiful Devar Torah. Eliezer had everything go right for him. When he asked Hashem, I need to see these Simonim. And he sat down with Bissual and Lavan. And he says, listen, he knew this was the girl. If you agree to the deal, now I'm ready. If not, I'm out of here. Even though he had Kivitzas and Derek and everything went well, he was ready to move on a dime. We need to establish and incorporate that into our personality. You got to change. You can't have it one way all the time. Learn to become more open-minded. Two, don't compare yourself to other people. You don't know what's going on. You'll never know what's going on. I'll give you a story. Frida and Murray seemed to be an ideal couple. They were the parents of six lovely children. When they married off the last of their children, they announced they had stayed together for the sake of their children, but now they were getting divorced. Everyone is flabbergasted. The parents of the children who married into the family were shocked and felt fooled. They all believed that the children were marrying into a wonderful, stable family. What happened? You never know what's going on behind people's closed doors, behind people's doors, behind people's fences. Don't compare yourself to anybody. You are who you are. Hashem loves you the way you are. What's, what's written and going to happen for someone else, that's their bashert. You have your plan. You're going to play your plan and stick to your plan. You have your top 10 list. You're looking for a majority. Six out of 10 of your top 10 list. Physical attraction is there. It's a go. That's it. When you don't stick by your plan, then you endlessly date and you waste time. You have your top, again, I'm going to repeat this. You have your top 10 list. You've checked it with a third party, a rav, a dating mentor, whatever. And you have your physical attraction, which is okay. It's a go. You don't need more than that. I, I cannot think in 20 years where the system failed me. It's very important. Next. What do people who are close to you have to say about the person you are dating? Listen to comments being made by your parents, by your friends, by your network. It's very important. I met a wonderful man. A person writes on an airplane who told me about his disastrous marriage. When I asked him what advice he would give to others, based on his experience, he said, tell people to listen to people they love and trust. There's only one person in the world that I love and trust. My aunt. She told me not to marry my ex-wife, and I didn't listen to her. I thought I knew better. So it's very important. If you're seeing a cascade of comments coming back from family and friends, ah, I don't know, this doesn't smell good. As Pirkei Alva says, examine and re-examine. Reduce the baggage. Marriage is not the time to fix problems. Fix it while you're single. If it's an emotional disturbance, whatever it may be, if it's a fear, if it's a trauma, now is the time to deal with it. Marriage will not fix the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Marriage will exacerbate the problem. It only magnifies the problem. So if you have baggage, reduce the baggage. That's very important. Prior to getting into Shaduchim. Self-esteem, I spoke about it. I can't, I can't really emphasize that enough. But just on a quick note on that. What is it that you're good at? Do you like to sew? Do you like to bake? Do you like a certain sports? Music. Engage in that. 
Spend as much time as you can in what really makes you feel good and what you're good at. This will improve the confidence that you have about yourself. We're often asked, I'm not sure, what should I do? I'm going out, what should I do? So I want to just briefly hit on that. When in doubt, keep going out. I always tell everyone, you're not sure? The Rabbanu Sha'alam is going to show you a siman somewhere where you're going to have to decide right turn or left turn. Don't bail. Don't bail out. If you're not sure, keep going with it. Keep perfecting the questions. Again, if you need help, you can always reach out to me. This is something I'm really good at. The questions that you need to get, the answers that will help clarify that. So if you're not sure, when in doubt, keep going out. And some, I'd like to share some top 10 dating myths. The more people I go out with, the better chance I have of meeting Mr. Right. Complete misconception. It's better to date a few people who seem right on paper that match your list then date everyone under the sun because you become very depressed from all the failure. The smartest and prettiest women get married first. Shekhar, not true at all. Many well-to-do and very good-looking women are still single. If there were more social events, I would have been married a long time ago. Myth. Many people make this mistake of putting all their eggs in one basket. There's no perfect venue, but I spoke about networking tonight, so review the... the, review the uh, the video when you see it. And here's another one. If things don't click on the first date, you're probably not right for each other. No! Wrong! How many times people are not themselves on the first date? Give it time! First impressions are always correct. Shaker. No! No! If we date longer, the qualities that bother me will get worked out. This is fantastic. This is for the Get this one. I get a phone call uh, recently from someone who was mar- dating eight years and she broke up with him. I said, this doesn't happen in our world. We have a game plan. We have questions to ask. The longer you go, that doesn't make it better. You know, you should know within day two or day three if the person has got most of what you're looking for. Because we from Jews know how to approach our dates. It's cerebral. I have questions to ask. How often non-religious Jews come in to a wedding? I've heard this again and again. Wow, they were matched up and they only went out two or three months in our world? It takes us a year before we even think of getting to know each other. That doesn't work like that by us. We have a mechanism. How we understand each other and what we're searching for. The right spouse will straighten you out. Again, no, that's not their job. Their job, your job is to straighten yourself out. The only person you can change in this world is yourself. And we spoke about this one. It doesn't matter if most of your friends and family don't like the person you're going out with. It's only your opinion that matters. As I proved to you before, false. Love conquers all, myth. Let me close with, an, with a, a cute story which tells us what a real marriage is all about. A couple got married and it was around uh, Shavuot's time. The Hassan's grandmother had a habit to go over to the Kala and present her with a piece of jewelry, welcoming her, welcoming her into the family. And in this case as well, it was Zevi and Yehudis, 
Yehudas got a knock on the door. It was Zevi's grandma coming over and gave her a magnificent ring, even nicer than the engagement ring. It was a little loose, but she didn't want to trouble the grandma. And the night of the wedding, she put her wedding band in front of it, and she's dancing. It's a little loose, but it's okay. Now comes Sheva Brachas by his side in Netanya, in Eretz Yisrael. And it's after lunch, and the mother-in-law looks at Yehudas and says, Where's your ring? She can't find it. It's not on her finger. She says, oh my gosh, what could have happened? We took a walk on the beach. No, maybe not. Maybe I took it off when I was back, you know, making the bracha of Nitil Sedaim yesterday in my apartment. And she's like worrying. Meanwhile, the mother-in-law, genius that she is, goes up to their guest room, empties out her private you know, things, including her lingerie, etc. She was morbid in shock, the young girl, and didn't know where to hide herself. She got that look from the mother-in-law like she's irresponsible. Motzeh Shabbos, they made Abdullah. She says, Zevi, please, get in the car, go back to the apartment. I'm praying that that ring is by, right by the sink. He goes back. He comes back. I'm sorry. No ring. And from that day on, things were cool with her and the mother-in-law. So the father-in-law, smart man, decided, you know, we need to have like a little shalom lunch. In the middle of the summer, he invites them. And they come over for lunch. And they had bought them a vase. So the mother-in-law was tasked with the job of giving it to her. Make, you know, make shalom. As she's presenting it with the vase, she changes her mind. She says, you know what, maybe let Zevi carry it. After all, you lost the ring. Now you have World War III. I'm not coming back here again. It's over. Goodbye. If you ever thought you were gonna, we were going to have any kind of relationship, goodbye, gone. No communication at all. Rosh Hashanah comes around, he looks for his Bekasha, he puts it on. He says, honey, you're such a great cook. I can't even fit into it anymore. And then as he's trying to close, he feels a lump. He puts his hand into the pocket, the cold pocket, and wouldn't you know it, out comes the ring. She's like, wow, the first phone call I have to make is to your mother. And she calls her, you see, it wasn't me, it's your son, he's the Shlomahu. Go blame him. And she's feeling all real good about herself. And from that day on, anytime she has a chance to shtech him, listen, Zevi, you got to go to the bank. Maybe we should hire security guard to go with you. Or I want you to take, you know, Yossi to the park. But be careful now. Do you want me to come along just to make sure you don't lose him? You know, this is going on for years. Fifteen years goes by. Grandma now is in Olama MS. She's walking down the street one day. She happens to look into the window of a jewelry store. And you know how women are. They get a hanking for new jewelry. She walks in. It happens to be the same jeweler in Yerushalayim that the grandma always used. She walks in. She says, you know my husband's grandma. Sure, I dealt with her all the time. Sold her all her stuff. So she shows him what she has that the grandma gave her. She says, you know, can you evaluate this for me? Tell me how much it costs. So he looks at it and he goes... This is a beautiful piece. If you say it was worth a certain amount of money, it's worth more now. But I have news for you. I didn't sell this piece of jewelry. I know my stuff. It's not mine. What do you mean? She only shot by you. Go home, get the certificate, and come back. So she goes home. She opens the kasefet, the safety box. She pulls out the... She gets the certificate. Everything looks in order. And then she sees a piece of a document, and she turns white as a ghost. 
She waits for Zebi to come home. She says, Zebi, you know how you know, grandma's jewelry she gave me? I was walk I went by the jewel jewel that she dealt with today. And I want to upgrade, I want to change. She says, sure, whatever you want, it's fine with me. And he told me it's even worth more. Oh, bonus. Zebi, I have a problem. We got married in the springtime. So how come the receipt says two days before Rosh Hashanah in September? I figured it out. That year, you went and bought me a new ring. And I figured out why you were never around that night, because you probably took a job, a second job at night to pay off the loan. So I should be able to have peace with your mother. I never knew what kind of a tzaddik I was married to. That's selfless giving, ladies and gentlemen. That's the goal. That's what we want in our marriages. It's my bracha to everyone here. We should dance at all your weddings soon, Brothers Hashem. And we should build role models of homes that are models of Torah and Chesed. And we should dance and greet Meshach Zikane. I mean, again, any- you've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.